0: This is The Office Manager Diaries, a podcast all about the highs and the lows of professionals in office management around the world. We'll delve into their career journeys and diaries where they'll share their stories, tips for success and only things office managers understand. Enjoy and please remember to give us a follow. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Office Manager Diaries. It's my absolute pleasure to have you here with us today and to welcome somebody who I don't know too well. Uh, We've been connected on LinkedIn for a little while and one of his recent posts caught my eye, which we're gonna talk about in this episode today. Rhys Carville, who is the Office Manager at Precision Resource Group, or as we're gonna call it, the PRG today. Rhys, thank you so much and welcome to the Office Manager Diaries
1: thank you so much for having me it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun it's exciting i've never done anything like this before so uh yeah let's go it's gonna be good
0: yeah let's go for it let's dive on in so you are fairly new to the world of office management and i've seen on your linkedin profile and we've just been chatting about it off air before we started recording you've worked in various different sectors some fairly you know very different to each other with with a few different hats there not just in the office management space how did you get into office management and into those roles and how are you finding it now?
1: Yeah, I've definitely bounced around a lot of different things. Like a lot of office managers, actually. We tend to be people who either knew exactly what we wanted to do or we had no idea really. I bounced around just trying to find a company I felt comfortable at and I just haven't been able to find one. So I got my foot on the career ladder with youth work and play work. So looking after kids at a really young age, I've always really liked that kind of caring side of stuff. And then I went to uni to do it, got a bit disillusioned. It was the, the, the way the uni taught youth work wasn't really what I was interested in. I felt quite disillusioned. So I bounced around trying to find things. So I've done everything from building caravans, door-to-door sales, call centre work. And it was quite fortuitous, actually. My last kind of jobs have all like, revolved around call centre stuff. I really wanted to get off the phones. I really like supporting people and that kind of Role, call centers really bleak. (laughs) You get a lot of abuse. So I I ended up doing admin for a cookie company. They're they're quite a big brand, but they had no office staff at all. I was the only person there. Everyone else was, it was during lockdown. So everyone was working from home and they needed somebody who could be in the bakery every day to manage everything. So that was my role. We had, it was just me, um, our accountant of three lovely Romanian ladies. So I ended up just, I was there as head of customer service and admin. So I just de facto ended up doing all of the office manager type things. So everything from organizing events all the way down to just ordering the teas and copies and making sure cleaners had getting their job done. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. I loved the management of the office. It got quiet there. Things went part-time. So I, uh, yeah, I, I sort of embarked. I, I, I think I've settled down on office management or something. I really want to get my teeth into now. It, it really address like it suits my needs essentially I, I, I fit in really well I think with an office um, office management role it fits my skill set I should say so yeah I, I got really really lucky I've I done a thing where you try to find work you're on LinkedIn you're going down and you're just applying to every single thing that really fits and I got super lucky that a recruitment company were the first ones to get back to me PRG one of the best companies I've ever worked for in my life they're, they're just just phenomenal. And yeah, I I think I finally found a job that fits kind of my specialist skill set. Along with, I have quite unique, I got really into philosophy when I was younger, so morally, like morality and ethics, um, like that kind of stuff I'm super into, and PRG aligns with that a lot as well, like their ideals. So <laughs> yeah, I think I just splurged out a lot of information to you there. I've got a bit of a messy uh, a messy history to so try to get that into it, nice and I stream like, <laughs> actually
0: no i i really enjoy hearing that though and i i don't i mean there are a few people that we've spoken to the podcast and people that i've met so far in my career and certainly since we set up the group who have intentionally like i was quite intentional about getting into office management but i kind of fell into it a little bit and into administration and i and i think it's right i think people like what i'm i'm kind of gathering from you here and other people that i know do these roles We're quite, the word I suppose I'm looking for is where we just want the diversity in our roles, we want, we're not satisfied with one monotonous, monotonous task, time and time again, we want the variety, we want the diversity, but we want the human contact and the human element, we want to feel like we're making an impact. And we want to use our skills, like you say, the organisation and the communication, the people skills and the empathy. And, you know, I think ethics and and having good ethics and morals are important for these roles as well, because you've got to keep people in check and you've got to, you're almost an influencer, right? You're so exposed in these roles that people look up to you and your behaviours as to to how you're acting and performing in the office. So, yeah, I think that those sort of things that you've touched on are, are very much part of why, people like you, people like me and other people, as I say, that have been on the pod and that we interact with in the network, get into office management roles and are very successful in it. So yeah, it's it's good to hear. And and that mixed background is very typical of a lot of people that, that I've spoken to already, like Megan O'Connell was in a door-to-door sales role and she learned a lot of her life and office management skills and was quite hardened through it as well, I think. Did you find the same? It kind of hardened you and prepared you for this sort of thing?
1: I've never experienced anything like it. I was raising money for the children's charities right around the time when the Rotherham scandal hit. And it was Christmas. I remember Christmas Eve. It was 100% commission-based. Christmas Eve, having to pay to travel across country in the on, in, in the rain, knocking on doors, having people slamming doors in my face, screaming at me about the Rotherham thing, saying, it's all your fault. And then I'd have to go home. I and mean, I didn't make a single penny. I, I I was so down. It was, yeah, it it definitely hardened me. So being someone I think you have to be quite resilient as an office manager, we have nearly 300 staff here now. So there's always somebody who's left a mug out. (laughs) There's always somebody who's uh, broken something. They don't really affect me too much anymore. (laughs) After going through the door-to-door sales side of things office management it's it's very very challenging I'm not going to take away from office management but I think maybe where it is PRG are so supportive and everyone's so thankful um it just makes the job very very easy for me
0: yeah that gratitude really helps but yeah that sounds soul destroying having to spend out see it was a loss maker for you um at that time when you when you traveled and it is it is soul destroying. I'm I know I did cold calls when I first started this business and it was like I used to be on the other end of the cold calls as the office manager and there I was calling office managers cold calling and having people just hang up or whatever and it's it is soul destroying, but all these things are that are sent to try us do make us better equipped to deal with challenges that come. Were you the only support person there? Or do you have a team of people in office management?
1: It's kind of hard to say I guess so I am the sole office manager but then we PRG is so supportive anyway you can pretty much ask anybody for anything and you'll get support so I've never felt unsupported I've got a manager who is like project lead so Louise Laden Ahmed she was kind of doing most of this kind of work before so I'm the first office manager PRG's ever had before that I think what's quite common is for the admin team to kind of manage those roles where it got a bit big we have three amazing ladies on our admin team as well who are always there if ever I need any of them it never feels like I'm alone ever
0: that's good that's really because yeah 300 is a lot and we we call it the drop dead threads and I'm sure as much as everybody is is lovely we we often do get people who are just a little bit more particular about their needs in in the offices and we're we're not going to put you under pressure to talk about that but um there are always people who are somewhat more challenging in their needs and requests than others especially when you've got those kind of numbers so it's it is important to have that relationship and that experience to to deal with those different personalities because there's so many and and you are very exposed in these roles so so you've told us a little bit about it. But what do PRG do? And can you give us a little bit more of your uh, of an overview of your role there at the moment, please, Rhys?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, Precision Resource Group, um, it's a basically it's just a recruitment company. We place people, we're about to go global, pretty much. Um, We've been flying ever since starting in 2015. Um, We have four main brands. Um, And we primarily place people in the UK, Europe, and America. The four brands that we have, IO Associates, um, they specialise in IT. They do a ton of stuff for the defence sector as well. Um, Panoramic Associates, uh, they are kind of specialists in public and housing sectors. We have Finitas who it's a bit easier to guess what they do. They do the financial and like the FinTech side of recruitment. And then we have Panoramic Care, um, who do all the lovely things like special special education, healthcare, um, just general education. They They do a ton of all the kind of the humanitarian, the really lovely things. I'm a bit naive when it comes to the recruitment side, so I can't go too deep into what makes a special there. But it's just a really, really nice company to work for, full of fantastic people. Yeah, basically that's PRG and who we are. Essentially, I do everything. Um, I tried to write a list of all the things I kind of manage, and it just went on and on and on and on. So I guess most of the people listening will know most of the general things that office managers will deal with. So it's like the day-to-day run-ins of things, from as small as teas and coffees, all the way up to managing the cleaning company, interactions with all of the key like third party people that come into the building so it can be we just had our a million pound refurb uh, of our building so there's lots of alarm companies in coming in to like fit alarm systems plumbers and just different people coming in so i manage those but some of the kind of the, the quirky sides that we have at prg that i haven't seen too many other places we have a box at ashton gate that i help manage which is sensational when the Cost of living crisis really ramped up. PRG started a load of initiatives, so they matched the little the handouts the government were giving to staff. They they matched that, so we they were giving up funds for people. They also started the breakfast club during that as well. So we give up free breakfast to people in the morning if they if they come in. <laughs> I manage that, and then we have nearly th- along with three hundred staff, about three hundred plants as well that we got in, which are all alive. Barely, and yeah, I manage those, just keeping them alive, essentially.
0: As in fully manage them. You don't have a plant company watering them. You you do it. Oh my goodness, three hundred plants. Is that one for every member of staff?
1: Nearly, to be fair, most are snake plants, and they uh, they like neglect. (laughs) So I'm, (laughs) I'm I'm well off there. But yeah, I think it's one of the things PRG are quite good at finding people who are enthusiastic about things. Sometimes it's better to be more enthusiastic than it is able. And um, PRG are really good at finding those people that are really motivated and enthusiastic. And then they're like, that's the key bit. And then we can we can build on the rest. E- everything else we can build on, and we can make you great. But you just need that motivation. And I go, i bags. <laughs> and then, um, when they said, we're going to get some plants in, we talked about having some fake ones. I was really anti-fake ones. So I guess they got left with me to, if you want them, you can. You got to make sure they're kept alive so yeah it's a lot wow. of
0: fun that that is a task in itself i've got about six plants in my house and i struggle so uh yeah <laughs> well thanks for sharing that so at your one year anniversary with prg which was about a week ago now you shared a post on linkedin about your learning over the past year and the best thing over that time that you've learned. Can you tell us more about that? Because I found it a really interesting topic and it is something that as a topic in general, it's coming up the ranks. We've heard a lot about it over the last sort of 12 to 18 months in terms of our understanding of it, but also the empathy that people need to have and that kind of emotional intelligence around it and then how that may impact or influence cultures within the workplace.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um... I can talk about spiky profile for hours and hours, but I, I do need to say that I'm, I'm in no means coming here as like an authority on the spiky profile. This is just kind of my muggle kind of understanding of everything. <laughs> Take things at a pinch yourself, but I'm. You can probably tell by my the way I talk. Um, I'm I'm riddled with ADHD. <laughs> I've got yeah. There's there's a lot going on up there, so. I, I got really into the neurodiversity kind of leanings in work. They, we, we've we always had mental health first aiders, but there's been kind of a lack in in kind of neurodiverse training, I guess, kind of making spaces as neurodiverse as possible, essentially making the spaces fit for, for people with different needs, essentially. So I, I got really into that. I went to a panel hosted by Devon, um, kind of neurodiversity in the workplace. One of the things they touched on was, a concept called spiky profile as as kind of simply put it it sounds really self-evident different people have different abilities um and if you're them on the graph everyone's graphs going to look at different like their strengths and weaknesses are going to be way different how it applies to kind of neurodiverse people is those those highs and lows generally more exaggerated um so you, you may be a lot better in some areas and a lot worse in others something that can happen a lot in work And like a trap, I see people fall into a lot. Is you you can see a weakness in somebody, and then your overall perception of that person kind of falls. So I give an example sometimes. It's almost like you see a world class footballer like Ronaldo or Messi, and they are like the best at what they do. But then you find out that I don't know, you can't tie your shoelaces or something, or or maybe. Messi is really bad at keeping track of time. Your overall opinion of that person can drop. So it's, it's not so much, this is a fantastic footballer who kind of struggles in this one area. You kind of see them as kind of a lesser person. It can be quite damaging for a company just because you're missing out on some of these people with some of the biggest strengths you'll find in the country. There'll be number crunchers or people like like myself who just get way too hyped to a plants. You may, you may miss out on those things because you're looking at the, these weaknesses, you're looking at these sometimes small, but sometimes huge drawbacks. With minor, minor tweaks to kind of like work environment, you can really negate those, those negatives and just maximize on those strengths. So I found with a lot of the interview process is about trying to find those weaknesses and like, ah, I found it. this is the snag with that person. We'll find somebody else. But they may have been the best person for that job if you just tweaked it slightly. I guess an example for myself, I I need to take lots of breaks, lots of little breaks, just to recalibrate my brain. Sometimes it gets a bit messy. I have so much freedom here. If I needed, if I just want to, instead of having an hour lunch, if I just have a quarter of an hour lunch, but then throughout the day I can take as many five minutes off as I need to just to like reset my brain, it just makes the world a difference. Um, and it's yeah, I guess that's kind of my take on what the spiky profile is. Is just recognizing that everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Neurodiverse people, those are way more exaggerated, but you can you can negate you can negate those negatives with just a little bit of work.
0: Yeah, it's it's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's so much to this topic. It's it's huge, and we're still learning about it and and how to navigate like you say almost that kind of preconcepted judgment that we have as humans, that kind of don't judge a book by its cover type mm. scenario because we are wired for some reason as humans to focus and hold on to the negatives rather than the positives. So as soon as something negative comes in or is is alerted to us or we we see it, that's often then like you say our perception of that person, and it's very much clouded by that. so it's a really interesting topic particularly when you say it comes to recruitment where you you do you know i've i've recruited lots of roles for clients um lately because i do office management recruitment and only office management recruitment clearly given the specialism we sit in but and and some of them have literally been put off by the candidates because they've paused for too long when they've asked them a question about flexibility and Do the hours suit and they've they've paused sort of saying um yeah it's a bit longer than my current job but yeah i'm really happy to do that and they're like strike strike them off you know this kind of thing and it's yeah they they were to me very strong candidates so it's been very challenging and i think a lot of that is this this judgment that we make around around people and it's a very challenging world that we're in in terms of hybrid work and the demands kind of not marrying up on both sides there so
1: Actually, I have a really good example of that. Um, mm. uh, it threw me for a loop for a long, long time because after the youth work, I didn't really have a skill set, like a, a career skill set. Like when a recruiter looks at your CV and you're like, right, this is where he's going to fit in. I, I didn't really want to go into the place where I had my experience, so it was quite hard to uh, to place me. And I found a call like I got a job in a call center. I was doing that for three or four years, and I was really good. I was I was phenomenal in the call center. I went to look for another call centre job, and I struggle with eye contact sometimes. And at the end of the interview, he said, you're perfect for the role. You just didn't make enough eye contact with me. So I, I didn't tick one of these boxes, but it threw me for a loop because he told me I was perfect for the job. I I, I smashed every one of the tests, and it was a call centre job as well. So I was going to be on the phone. I was just going to say,
0: no-, no one can see <laughs>
1: there's no face-to-face contact at all. So nobody would have known
0: Criteria, you must have eye contact to be on the phone with our customers.
1: Yeah, if anything, I have the most hyped voice. Like I get so exagger- like hyper about everything. So like I'm perfect for call center work. You'd think if you were going to fix someone like me, you'd say, oh, he loves working with people, but struggles with eye contact. Put him in the call center, but they just weren't equipped to deal with something like that. They, they, they I ticked a box of, This is not a personable person because the eye contact.
0: Just looking at the bog standard, very archaic interview interviewer and interviewee kind of tips and skills there, aren't there? Which, which is eye contact. Many years ago, it's like if they can't make eye eye contact. I remember twenty years ago recruiting secretaries for an estate agents that that I I managed for secretaries there, and yeah, that that would come up quite a lot if people didn't look them in the eyes. You you couldn't really feel them, but. They were in an office where customers walk in all the time. So eye contact was quite important, but it is still very, very archaic. Um, I don't think I've considered that at all during interviews over the last several years. So yeah, it's um, madness, the judgments we make. So thank you for highlighting that as as part of the stories that you're sharing on the pod with us. So can you now please reshare for me a memorable experience or a challenge that you faced as an office manager or, or perhaps something prior to your your main office management role that you're in now and how you successfully navigated that
1: i think it's quite good actually to tie it back to the spiky profiles thing and i'm learning a lot so it's really hard sometimes i understand spiky profile i've known it for a while but i think guess i've only ever really recently been trying to really really implement it and i'm noticing challenges constantly so i'll i'll up front there's there's a a guy in in work here at PRG and I love him he's one of the the best people in the company when I came into the company found out he wasn't very good at Excel and I just assumed like we were talking about spiky profiles I just assumed how how can you be so hype in the company and not be not be very good at Excel and that was my only experience with this person I think this is another thing with seeing people as rounded individuals with big offices like ours you might only interact with that person once a week, once a month, and if they're having a downturn at that point, you just, you just see them as a lot less than they are, and I think that's what happened. Is I only I, was, I saw him at his worst point, and I just I shared this, so I think we had a bit of a, a bit of a tiffy. I think um, just falling out. I'm quite open now. I think I found with my ADHD, I have to be very honest with everybody and um, with myself, and I found that in office environments, sometimes it's the you tell each other lies, like little white lies, to try and appease each other. Trying to um, just try not to offend each other, and then sometimes that causes like a bit of distrust or a bit of negative energy because both of you know something's not quite right. So yeah, I, I, PRG is the best place for that as well. You can be as honest as you want. Here. It's, it's a total meritocracy. Um, so as long as everyone's here is just plowing to the same target, you're all trying to yeah, you're all trying to make your way down the same road everyone's kind of understanding and just gets on with it um so kind of mess the question (laughs) but essentially me looking down on this person felt incredibly guilty fed into some toxicity that we just talked about we just had a few talks and i explained and he explained and it went well
0: and i think it's it's honest and it's it's real and this these are the situations that we're in managing and handling conflict not just between other people's roles and the classic example I can give you here is you and I are sat next to each other in the office someone else is the office manager I'm too cold you're too hot which is very typical of the male female thing as well and there's conflict there because I'm like no Reese it's too cold and I you know the office manager would have to come in and navigate that situation and try and find a middle ground to suit us because we're sat right next to each other there's conflict in so many different ways but of course there is conflict with us with other people because We have to be fairly dominant in these roles. We have to be mothering and fathering people quite a lot, and um, you know, telling people to tidy up after themselves, telling people to tell us when they've spilt coffee on our lovely beige carpets, which we had in one of my offices, which was crazy. Um, You know, whatever it might be, we've got to we've got to tell people to read emails, to come back to us, to sign off on this policy. There's so many things that we have to instruct and get people to action. So of course, there's going to be conflict, and I think that is. Like I say, it's raw but it's real, so it's it's not a bad answer at all. I appreciate you sharing it because it's the reality. Let's stick with this then. That the highs in your career. Let's talk about that for a moment. But then also perhaps the lows. What what have you found to be low moments and how did you move forward from those? But also let's let's celebrate and talk about some of your highs in your career.
1: I'm quite proud of Breakfast Club. As kind of small as that is, that's definitely a high for me. I think. The high—it's maybe not a high for me per se, but it gives me the warmest feeling out of any anything when I think about it from my kind of career. That the Breakfast Club initiative came from the board. I'm so used to working in the companies where you're always asking for stuff and they're always finding reasons to say no. And this was something where the board actually came to me, more like, like, do you think you can do this? We want to, we want to run it. We just haven't got really anyone to do it. We just want to make sure people are fed if they need food." That was a super high high for me i'm not sure i maybe i've just had a bad run of it but i've never heard something like that from my company before um so that was was kind of a big thing but all the work on ashton gate is phenomenal i like i love that sending people to kind of have a good time is a real is a real hoop for me i guess my highs are not so glamorous as other people's highs it's not going to be going to like the Shard to have a fancy meal or something it's I get I get lots of nice comments around the office. I don't think I've ever felt as accepted as I have here. It's so bad. I've had I discovered a term called unmasking, um, but it's basically where you In other companies, you kind of look down upon you. Kind of wear this mask where you're trying to hide kind of your true neurodiverse self because it's not. It kind of frowned upon. People look down on you for being a bit different. And then when you start to kind of take off that mask and you feel comfortable, it's almost like your ADHD gets worse or your neurodiversity gets a lot worse because you're now being free with yourself. So I'm happy. It's a bit of a challenge now because I feel like I'm more riddled with ADHD than ever before. But I think that's a testament to the company. And the values here, like I was talking about being so meritocratic. As long as people are kind of chugging away here, everyone's accepted. And I think that is probably my biggest career high, is just kind of ending somewhere like that. I send out some quirky emails. Obviously, as office manager, you have to send out a lot of like company-wide emails. Mine are very goofy, mine are quite weird. And then I get thumbs up, and I get those like emails from people being like, "Oh, that was quite, f- that was like a funny email," or like uh, people tell me all the time, "Like I love your emails. You're a bit of a character," and it's it's a bit of mind warping. It's like I didn't know I was a character, but yes, the, those are my highs, most definitely
0: that's a skill in itself because the amount of times you probably need to share a tip on this Reece, with some of our listeners but the amount of times that people you're right we have to send emails constantly and i i think i'm going to share a tip actually maybe i'll do it in this episode about the different ways in which we can communicate and, and get messages out there but it's it's clever that you're intentionally or unintentionally making them quirky because i expect that gets so much more of an open and red rate than if they weren't like I, I would think depending on what the email content is and I've never seen any of your emails but if I was a, a member of staff sitting in your office and I saw another email coming from Reese, I'd you know if it made me laugh before or if I enjoyed them i would be like oh, what's this one about and you know it would open it with almost like a little bit of an excitement and an anticipation of what's this mm-hmm. one going to be so it's very clever because you're getting people reading your emails which we need so i would i would 100% celebrate that and absolutely that the fact that you feel so included in that company as well is is incredibly special Our tip for this week, as I've mentioned in the episode, is about how you can effectively communicate as the office manager in your role. We've got all sorts of different methods of communication here from Teams or Slack, if you use it, or any other chat channels like those platforms, to email, which is quite traditional, to picking up the telephone, going to see people in person, but also to signage that we can put up around the office and things on the intranet and so on. I think it's really important when you're in these roles to try and maximise the different tools and methods in which you can use to communicate effectively with your staff on things that are important. It might be trying to get them to RSVP, to the summer or Christmas party. It might be that you need them to start tidying up after themselves in the kitchen, one of those common bugbears that we get. It might be that you need them to read a policy or carry out some training on health and safety or compliance or something else, um, you know, cyber security, whatever else it might be and action that training and come back to you to confirm that they have done it. Whatever it is, consider carefully the tools, as I say, that you can use to do it and your tone and your language in which you write those messages. Read it back to yourself before you send it out, maybe get the opinion of someone else to see if it is effective, to see if it gives the clear messaging, the actions, the call to actions, as we call it in the kind of marketing world that you need it and want it to have. One of my favorite places to put communications and signage is actually on the back of the toilet doors. Everybody has to pee, right? Throughout the day, everybody has to pee. So why not use the back of the toilet doors? We've all seen them in bars and restaurants and things where they might have special offers or A different company that's trying to promote their products and services to us that is a really clever sensible place to put these um signs these notices these messages that you want to get out there i know that monzo shared one Um, which I really liked on mental health in the workplace and I think some initiatives that they'd set up around mental health awareness and they put that on the back of their toilet door and it's the first time I think I'd ever seen anyone else in an office management role do it and talk about the fact that that's a really powerful area to put these kind of promotional uh, things and, and raising awareness of whatever it is that you're trying to raise within your office. So consider all of that really carefully all your options and remember the back of the toilet door is a really good place that's simple to get those messages across so what about your low moments now what's been what's been tough for you in your career
1: i think one of the things that got me very very disillusioned with just work in general i worked at the pits of a company which was a call center the type of place where you're timed ev- everywhere you go like you even had a status for toilet time and if you went over there you got called into a meeting like you've been in the of way too long today and every single day people were breaking down in tears it was the grim so I, I i finally left that company and i went to what i thought was the the kind of god standard for call centers And after six months, they were like, we're downsizing. We've got too many staff. We're downsizing. And they they kind of let me go. They kind of looked at my stats and they were like, any other time you'd be fine. Any other time it's good, but we're we're downsizing. And I was kind of let go. There was this kind of like bubble moment where, as I said earlier, I I didn't really have any other career skills. I had that a lot of youth work experience that I wasn't really looking at doing anymore. So I thought the call center stuff was where I was going to be. And I finally got to this, this good one. And I was going to be able to start like progressing with this one company or just like my lifelong company and just realizing you can be let go so easily. It made me, yeah, it, it was really hard to deal with at the time because then I was like, "I'm, I'm just lost now. I've got no other direction. So the bouncing around started again. I think it's a little bit harder when you do have these kind of I don't want to call them issues, but like differences, these quirks, because it it can be a lot harder to fit in places. So when you find someone you like and you're like let go from there, it's just world shattering. But yeah, I think it's quite quite important that I've landed where I've landed. I think it's the story to lots of people, really, that there are so many people across the country that are working in these jobs that they just hate because they're scared that every job is like that. And it is just not, there are are good places, they are good managers, there are good bosses, just everywhere. Um, you, you can just get sucked into these like cesspools essentially. I think it's the kind of the lowest point, but it led to to my highest points, really. If I if I didn't, if they weren't downsizing, I'd probably still be there. And I was good at it. And I kind of liked it, nowhere near what I like now. the term settling down i was just uh yeah i was just making do. i was i was convincing myself there were things i liked that i didn't like so yeah i I don't want to encourage people to leave their jobs but there are so many good places out there to work you just have to find them and what i will say is if you if you are working and you you want to leave that's the best time to look come to somewhere like prg we'll find you a really good job that you love um, <laughs> while you're still working. Just don't wait till the job fizzles out, and
0: then yeah, you, a little, co- a little plug there. I like it. www <laughs> 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 dot. <laughs> it, it um. It's funny, isn't it? Because I I'm very much a believer in fate and things happening for a reason. Like I've done some side steps in my career, um been fortunate enough never to have been in a position like you and and many people where you've been made redundant or let go, but. I've certainly made some bad career choices and bad moves in my career and I always try and look at what I've taken from that experience and some of it's learning but actually some of it's friendships I've made friends in places where I didn't really want to be in the job or you know went there and realized it was just absolutely not for me but Made friends that that are still friends to date. So I do think things happen for a reason. And like you say, you you may have just been settled and coasting there. If it weren't for that kind of kick out and and to give you a new invigoration of life, and then like you say, go to the bakery and all these other things. So now comes the time, and Reese, I know you've listened to a couple of the episodes of, of previous pods where we ask you to share something from your office manager diary, or as we call it, a "you won't believe it but" moment, please
1: um see now my mind's gone blank we talked to us beforehand and i had some in my head i was saying that it's slightly tricky because all my office my main office manager experience comes from the company i'm currently in and they're probably gonna be listening to this so uh I have one, I have a really good one from the bakery when I was managing there. The staff were phenomenal. I've never met harder workers, like three Romanian ladies down in the bakery pumping up hundreds, nearly thousands of cookies on a daily basis. I came in one day and it was the busiest day. I can't remember what the celebration was. It must have been just after Easter or just just coming into Easter. We're coming to the the busiest days and there was just no staff. (laughs) Nobody turned up. We were calling around. We had some backup staff. It was a bit complicated the way in which we got, like, like our staff. But we got gone through friends and friends of friends. And we we knew one very, very good, like, Romanian baker. And then we asked it for friends, and we got lots of people in. Um, So lots of them were part of the same community. And everyone had vanished. And it turns out it was Romanian Christmas. And just nobody turned up. Nobody told us. It was manic. We, We... no joke, we had to get somebody else from the estate to come over and they were helping us make these cookies. It was just anyone we could find that could. I think our accountant was down there at one point baking these cookies. Um, but they just they just didn't turn up. And that would happen quite a bit, actually. It'll be someone's birthday, and then you'll hear lots of kind of what do you call vuvuzelas, like the horns and party poppers going off, and they'd look over the balcony down into the bakery. And there was like 40 people down there. Be like who are these people it's like oh it's birthday <laughs> and then they just invited all their friends around and they just had this hour off so they wouldn't they wouldn't let you know anything so some of the stories were just just wild the Romanian work culture I really really like it doesn't seem like they're at a job it just seems like they're working at home but in someone else's place is yeah it was a good laugh
0: a very, a very odd thing, like communication is key, people. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you're from. You have to tell your staff or your, your managers, sorry, if you're not going to be there. <laughs> so you just, no one's here. Where the hell are they? Or we can't get hold of anybody. No one's on the Easter. Oh, my goodness. The panic. And you have orders that have to go out.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolute panic.
0: big bone steel, Yeah. Goodness me. You'd
1: like my friend's story. I think it's, it's actually a classic, but. She has access to all of the cameras in work and they were holding the work party. And uh, actually, I don't know if I'm supposed to say, I could, could say this, actually, but they, they were holding the work party and everyone, uh, everyone had gone home for the night afterwards and she had lost her phone, so she was looking around, couldn't find it. So she gone, she's like, I think I might have left her on work. Can I go onto the work laptop to go to the cameras to see if it's on the desk? So she went into the, the work cameras and she saw the boss with the cleaner.
0: Oh, I hadn't unmuted. Oh, my
1: goodness. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, it's not your classic boss story, because it's normally boss secretary, isn't it? Not the cleaner, but um, diversity and inclusion.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) It was very awkward the day after, I can tell you.
0: I, I take it she just said nothing. Having control of the CCTV cameras at work is a very powerful tool, don't you think?
1: Yeah, we uh, we're not about that life of PRG. We don't have any cameras inside here. Yeah.
0: That's good. I have had cameras and control of them in my roles, and like just simple things like um, basically someone tripped over once leaving their desk. It was a guy and. It was like this most staggering tripping of sort of his cables, which we always say, you know, tidy your cables, buy your PCs, because this is in the days of no laptops, desktop PCs kind of on the ground. And so he'd got up in quite a hurry and just flew across the office. So immediately everyone was like, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah down the office, like, could you grab the CCTV of that so we can turn it into a GIF kind of thing? which I did I uh I let them take that moment and uh and he was he was a good good guy so he quite enjoyed looking back at it but yeah just the things you you can do with CCTV especially when you've had a party in the office I, uh, <laughs> very dangerous
1: I, I wish it's not we're um we're very free here I think and um, i I dread to think of some of the things you'd see on the CCTV if we had it here <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> uh it's um yeah it's it's not one for the faint-hearted I don't think when you have to go looking for things and yes but it's not necessary to have CCTV everywhere it's um in certain in certain companies you need it and not in others so there we are well thank you for sharing that story <laughs> so to, to finish on then Reese, what is in the future for you where do you see yourself getting to in the coming years
1: oh, there's a quite a poignant question I think because I I think about it a lot, mainly because I've been directionless for a long time, and um, I think PRG has really solidified that I, l- I really like office manager roles, like a ton, so I think I really want to focus on office management and neurodiversity, like building spaces. Um, I know there are quite a few roles where there are people who just go out to companies and help organise spaces. Um, yeah that kind of, I, I really enjoy that side I make music on the side as well um, so yeah a bit of this and a bit of that but yeah I think an office manager would have a heavy focus on neurodiversity and inclusion um, most probably
0: yeah really really would suit you wouldn't it to, to a two to do that and if you've got that specialism and that understanding and empathy then it's even more powerful so okay so now can you share for our fellow listeners here some tips about office management in general or how to get in the role, um, how to be successful in the role, please?
1: One thing I found most definitely is you can get a lot more with honey than water, is that that the same? I think that's the same. It's quite funny. When I I had my interview here, they said I might not fit the role just because they were looking for a battle axe, which is like the stereotype of an office manager. We do things very different here, but we're not sending out angry emails constantly. be be nice be good give people what they want look after people and they'll look after you that's, that's the ethos it sounds weird to give this as a tip but just trust your employees respect your employees and look mainly at the positives rather than the negatives and also have lots of tea towels around the place so people can wipe down the side after themselves because if it's not there then they'll just leave the stain <laughs> that's a big one yeah those are probably my two biggest tips
0: the tea towels one is is brilliant <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was very much a sign person, like tidy up after self. They called me the laminator um, because I've got so many <laughs> laminated signs up. But the tea towels, just drop, just drop little hints in there, you know. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories and uh, parts of your office manager diaries. You've got a, a huge career ahead of you, I think, in this profession, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. So, thank you for being a guest.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of
0: fun. This episode is sponsored by The Office Management Portal, our free online membership platform aimed at connecting, supporting and empowering office managers in a simple-to-use, all-in-one self-service resource. You can sign up right now at www.theofficemanagementportal.com and click the sign-up button in the top right. If you want to upgrade your account to our premium membership at any time for unlimited downloadable templates and monthly expert masterclasses, use the code THE OMD for 25% off. That's the, THE OMD for Office Manager Diaries for 25% off. Thank you for listening.